here today in the world we live in, that the faith is called for, and we are called to live in this faith. It's found in Ephesians 4th chapter, starting at the 25th verse. Now, I'll just warn you before I read this, Paul is going to meddle with us. He's going to get into our business. So just be warned that he's about to get into our business. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesomeness talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ Jesus forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrance, offering, and sacrifice to God. May we bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, help us to find and search these scriptures in our heart and understand that the human nature we have, it is over in our life with you. You call us to something greater. Lord, help us claim this new identity we are called into to be kind and loving to each other. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. It seems like every day in the news, no matter which channel we look at, there's issues of anger that are going on in our nation. From road rage to protest, people for some reason are angry. Um, and it's contagious, this anger. Seems to be spreading from sea to shining sea across America. People marching and people claiming one way or another they're a victim and the victimization of people by mean people, just seems like there's a lot of anger. Uh, and that was the case in the early church in Ephesus, there with Paul doing his ministry. See, we have to understand that anger is a human emotion. Anger is what we usually do when we face a situation that we're not in control of. We have a fight or flight response. Either we run away or we get angry and we just want to stand and fight. Well, Paul was saying to the early church, you, you don't have to do that anymore. You have to realize that you belong to God, and he's offering us an alternative in this scripture, and that alternative is kindness. Now, understand kindness is not a human emotion. Kindness is a godly attribute. Now, kindness has been portrayed in our culture as weakness, as passive, as somehow you're kind, so you're somehow lowering yourself. But in reality, kindness is an attribute of God. And if it's an attribute of God, it's not weak, it's strong. And kindness is what has allowed us to come here under the grace of Jesus Christ. In fact, you could use that word for kindness is grace, to be grace-filled. So when we're called to be kind, it's not just to be a different part of ourselves. 
It's, it's a call to be like God. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's calling us towards this kindness. So how do we go about this? And Paul was bringing this up because it's very important. It's very important because no matter 2,000 years has passed, people are still people. People are still a mess. A mess. People are a mess, aren't they? You, just, you can just go to Walmart and see that. People are just a mess. They're, they're a mess. I never seen the beat of it. People are a mess. Uh, years ago, I was going to seminary, and this guy, he cut me off on US-1 up here at Raleigh. I was coming from Wake Forest, and he cut me off, and, and, and he blew his horn, and he gave me a sign that wasn't a pleasant sign, and, and I caught mad. And you have to understand, uh, I have different traits that come from you know genetics, and I have a Smith side, and I have uh, just the Ward side, and I have a Leonard side. I have a lot of sides, but if you combine that all together, you get a combustible, uh, just genetic map. And, and I caught mad. And, and so I didn't chase him, but I kind of followed him, and he pulled off, and I pulled off, and he went into a store, and I went into the store too. Now, let me just say that genius doesn't run in our family. <laughs> and do not do this. And what I was going to do was confront him and not start a fight, because I, I didn't want to fight. I wanted to invite him to church. And so I walked up to him and I said, you know who I am? He went, no. And I said, I'm the guy you just cut off. And by the way, I'm the preacher at the church. I invite you to come this coming Sunday. And I'll never forget the look on his face. It was such a shock to him. Now, I'm not doing that anymore. Are people crazy now? And people are a mess. They're a mess. And now they'll pull a gun on you or they'll pull a knife on you or they'll have you on video and you'll be viral by that afternoon. And I wouldn't do that anymore. So kids don't do that. But the truth was at that moment, I caught mad and, and that anger, uh, it, it, it could have led me down a bad path. And so the thing we really need to realize is what we do, that should be up there. What we do has a lot to do with who we are. Now, I know some will say that's the way my family is, but we do have anger issues in this culture. Some people get mad way too fast, and that's what this sermon is about. I told you it's going to meddle. It's going to get into our business, but the truth is do not let anger rule your life. Do not go to bed angry tonight. If you have an issue, you uh, go and talk with the person involved as that's not possible. If that's something you cannot do, then you go to God in prayer and you let this anger go. Because if you don't let this anger go, what you do will end up being what is done to you. In other words, you open a door. Now, now you know, Leanna has uh, just her boyfriend here and he's an Egyptian Coptic Christian. Yesterday, they stopped an attack on a Coptic church over in Egypt. So much anger in that part of the world. Never seen such a mess as that is. These poor Coptics have been persecuted for century upon century. These followers of Apostle Mark. And uh, he was telling me that when he prayed, and he did it at the communion that Sunday he was here, I noticed he did this. He did like this, and he touched the parts of his body. 
and they were doors, and he was explaining to me that he wasn't doing the sign of the cross like the Catholics do. He was doing what the Coptics do. He was praying for these entryways. He said there's 10 doorways in the body, and these doorways are where the devil can enter into you. And so I pray that God will protect these doorways. In other words, anger must be one of the doorways because people catch mad. And he was saying, my prayer is that you protect yourself from the devil entering into you. And that's what Paul was saying. Paul is saying, you must understand that your anger has the ability to lead you to destruction. And do not be angry because you will give the devil a foothold because the devil eats anger like food. He needs it to survive. If you take anger out of the equation, the devil has no foothold. I tell you right now, in sports guys, you don't have to get angry at the opponents to beat them. In fact, anger will cause you often to lose the game, not to win. Anger is not our motivation in life. Anger is a detriment. It leads us to destruction. The devil gets a foothold, and pretty soon we're doing what the devil would have us do instead of what God would have us do. And so anger is a human trait. And how do we respond to anger? He says we must be kind with one another. We must learn what kindness is. So he goes on to explain this kindness that God calls us to, and how are we kind? We're kind in what we say. It's important how we speak and what we say. You know, it's just silly, isn't it? You think about it. All these people marching. They screaming at each other, one side screaming at the other side, screaming at the other side. You couldn't pay me enough to be just policemen right now. They deal with so much anger each and every day. They come up on a house and people screaming at each other and people are doing this and that. I didn't scream when I walked up on that guy that he cut me off and he was treating me bad and I walked in and offered him, you know, to come to church and he was stunned. He, he didn't know what was going on. He thought I was crazy. He was ready to get out of there. I spooked him. I didn't scream at him. I spoke with a calm voice. Now, understand if I'd have come in there screaming, it could have been a whole different scene. See, the world is screaming at each other. We're just, just a bunch of children. We need to quit this stuff because it's destroying all that God has created in us and what we say. And right now, our culture's talking too much. People just talking too much. They just need to hush up. It's like they got to fill every doggone moment with something. No matter what, on Facebook, on Twitter, they just feel like they're obliged to say something. You don't have to say anything. Just sit down and be quiet a little bit. We're talking too much. And people are angry and they're fighting each other. It's like a Kardashian episode where everybody's fighting everybody. I don't understand them. What, what talent do they have? I have not figured this out, yet they're worth all this money and they're getting paid for no, I don't understand this world. But, but I'm just going to quiet down and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen. See, see, anger is fed by noise. It's fed by, by a world that's in turmoil. And, and the truth is, the truth is, if this culture keeps up this mess that it's doing, we're going to end up in a war. 
The truth is, if we keep fighting each other and finding fault with each other and beating each other up and condemning each other and crucifying each other and treating each other like, like we're not children of God, we're going to end up in trouble. We need to quit this mess. See, I told you Paul would meddle. He's telling the early church, you've got to quit this stuff because they're coming to church at this first century church and they're not getting along and they're arguing with each other and they're arguing with the culture around them and the whole bit. And he's saying to them, you must be careful what you say because your words have the power to destroy but also the power to create. If you think about our lives and those that have been most influential in our lives, there have been people who have said good things about us. They complimented us. They found, you know, traits that we had that we can certainly find strength in. Uh, they have helped us. They've given us encouragement. You think about the teachers and the preachers and the Sunday school teachers and the friends, the ones that you can truly count on. They're not backstabbing. They're not finding fault. They're finding good. Now, I'm from the Dean Smith uh, era, and I'm not getting into the difference of colors of different blue. I'm just saying that Dean Smith was a type coach. He called it the Carolina way in his book that he described when you coach, you find that attribute of the player and you maximize that attribute. In other words, you play to the strengths and not the weaknesses. And in my ministry now, since 1986, I've always looked for strengths in churches I serve and people I meet and relationships I have instead of weakness. Now, some people build on weakness. They are afraid that you got to somehow lock that door, the weak link, and they feel like somehow they got to make that weak link stronger. I say focus on the strengths. By focusing on the strength is what Dean Smith said, you're able to bring out the better nature of the person. And if they're able to sing, then you uh, so encourage them to sing more. If they're able to serve, you encourage them to serve more. If they're able to give, you encourage them to give more. You're able to find the good. And what you say is you're building up the person. And in that relationship, you're able to indeed show the greater nature of what God calls us to. God is expecting us to look at what he's given us in our lives and we each have the potential of kindness and that's what we say we speak kind words in fact um, we have some folks around here have told me their families have said if you have nothing kind to say about somebody what is it say nothing at all that's actually one of the sayings of Spring Hill of this community and you ought to know why we're blessed that's the reason because if we hadn't had that attribute in this community, y'all would have fought a long time ago and this wouldn't, church wouldn't be here in the way it is now. I've been to places where people fight. You could drop a hat in some of the churches I serve. Just go drop a hat in the middle of the room and they'll commence to fight it. I'm not joking. I've been to a board meeting where I had to break up a fight between two uh, chairpersons. I had to get in between and they were ready to go fisticuff and I'm standing in between them going, don't do it, don't do it. This is a church, it's holy. Well, he shouldn't have said that. I said, what is wrong with you people? I said, what has gotten into you? Well, they, this and that, this and that. And sisters and brothers, I, I don't judge. I was a judge in college. I was high court chief justice at Methodist College years ago. 
I was, uh, they called me the hanging judge because I threw students out for little, little things. When the dean would come to me, Dean Perkins, and he'd say, Jerome, what do you think? I said, well, throw them out. I didn't have much mercy when I was a younger man. I remember there was this one boy from up north and he come to trial and he had done something he shouldn't have done. He broke somebody's door off and he shouldn't have done that. And the dean was saying, what did we do? And I said, well, throw them out. He said, but we don't need to throw them out over that. And I said, we'll just throw them out. That's what we'll do. He said, you're hard, Jerome. I said, I'm not hard enough. See, that was the old me. See, the new me is kind and considerate. And the truth is, I would rather have someone close to me to help them to find redemption because kindness leads to redemption. Kindness leads to a relationship where a person can come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The reason we're called to be kind is that Christ has called us to be like Him and to help others to know when we speak he is speaking through us. So what we say should be about God's business and not our business. And Paul is saying that we must put off this falsehood and speak truthfully with our neighbor. Now, sisters and brothers, I know about neighbors and I know about fences and I know about difficulties people have, especially uh, in the world we live in now and the boundaries and the barriers that separate people but the truth is, we live in a culture that needs to rediscover, rediscover the power of kindness. And then he goes on and he tells us not only what we do and what we say, but who we are. And he describes who we are in the scripture. He says, we are imitators of God. Therefore, as loved children, live a life of love just as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrance offering and sacrifice to God. The fragrance offering there is referencing the Old Testament when they would burn different incense and God would smell the incense and he would look favorably just upon the people making the sacrifice. God loves things that smell good. In other words, God doesn't like things that stink. He just doesn't like things that don't smell good. And there's some situations right now that stink. America's got a problem. It's got to come to terms and realize all this shouting at each other. No one is communicating. No one is showing kindness. No one is showing reconciliation. And all the advancements we made in different parts of our culture are being undone. And people now are saying you can't speak because you don't have a right to speak. Instead of saying let us all sit in silence together. Years ago when I first entered the ministry, they invited all of the candidates that year to go uh, to a conclave with the Catholic uh, or just the Catholic faith. And so we had Catholicism there and we had different ones from the Catholic faith. And the first challenge they gave us when we went into the place is to be quiet. So for two days, we couldn't speak to each other. So I walked around and I'd keep wanting to speak to my friends and different colleagues and I couldn't and I would use hand motions and wave and pretty soon I realized I couldn't, I couldn't communicate that way and so I just accepted this challenge of not speaking. And it was amazing because as I started to quieten down myself, I started to hear things I had never heard before. I started to hear, you know, the birds. I've heard them, but not like that. They seem louder, you know, 
and I started to hear the wind and the leaves, and I started to hear, uh, you know, nature around me, and I heard uh, just different things that I'd never heard before, and I heard a peace and a calm that settled over me. Well, you know what that is, what a parent does when a child gets out of control, what do we do? We send them, to, what, to a quiet, it's a spot, a place. We tell them to go sit down quietly. I don't, I don't know if they can do that in school. Is that legal anymore in school to send a child to a quiet place? Can, can y'all send any teachers here? Can you send Johnny over to a quiet place? I was looking at an annual for Hornet Central the other day, and I saw Miss Kathy in that annual. I did. She was vice principal. I guarantee you she'd send you to a quiet place, and you may be a little sore before you got there. See, God doesn't want to punish us. He wants to, he wants to make us who we are. God doesn't want to look at our weakness. He's done all he needs to do for our weakness. He gave his son Jesus on the cross for us. He doesn't need to do anything else. God wants now to play to our strengths. He looks at us as who we are and whose we are, and he wants us to do what he would have us do, which is the better nature of us. He says, be imitators, not a Paul, not a Peter, but of God, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly beloved children, be imitators as God has loved us and gave himself up for us, we are to help others in their walk of the Christian faith. The truth is America would have been just like Europe with war upon war, savage action upon savage action had it not been for what is so common in this land. No matter what road you drive down, no matter what town you go to, you see steeples up in the air. The church has been the glue, it has been the salve, it has been the healing bomb that has helped this nation together. I was saying this to Mina the other day. I said, did you know our nation has never had a religious war? He said, but you have lots of churches. And I said, yes, we do have lots of churches. We have lots of places of faith. And the reason we haven't had a religious war is that we have been offering Christ in a positive and a direct way. Sisters and brothers, you can never legalize the heart. Even though I was the hanging judge, the truth is people still did things that they deserved to be kicked out of college. Police can arrest and arrest and arrest and arrest all they want to, but until the heart is changed, we cannot change the actions of the people. We live in a culture now that has become unwholesome, and they're letting bad things come out of the mouth. Did you know on TV they used to have censors on TV? And they wouldn't allow certain things to happen on TV, and the language wasn't allowed on TV. Language is a mess right now. I'll tell you, when I was a boy, I got caught one time. And I want you to know, soap tastes terrible. It tastes terrible. Especially lye soap. It, it, it'll burn your mouth. Don't let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. If you catch yourself starting to use bad language, oh, I'm meddling now, but I told you, I warned you early on. If you catch mad, somebody cuts you off and you start using language on them, then you just be quiet. Just remember what the Bible says here. Just be quiet. Just hush up. 
Don't say another word. Back off and be quiet and let God speak to you. Because if you let that anger come out of you, I guarantee you, you may feel instant relief, but the devil going to come in right afterwards. And the devil going to start with little things. And then the devil's going to lead to bigger things. And pretty soon, you're going to find yourself not able to control this. And you're going to start hiding things in the darkness that should be shown in the light. Do not let your life have these dark areas where God is not able to penetrate the darkness that surrounds you. We're called to be a holy people, a wholesome people. You're not fooling God. God knows exactly what we do, and He knows what we're capable of. He knows who we are. He knows we're wretched sinners, only saved by the grace that He's given us. We're called to be a holy people. You know that uh, just a football program over in Maryland. They just released the coach. He's been uh, just just some kind of suspension, and they said it was a toxic uh, situation where they had uh, just a strength coach who was who was cursing the boys to their face, getting down into their face and hollering at them and screaming at them, and 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 it was describing how that toxic environment. And I tell you the truth, Maryland's going to just be lucky to even win a game this year in football because of that toxic environment. If, if unwholesomeness enters into a person, it can destroy a whole just community, a whole team. You saw what happened to Bobby Knight in Indiana when he was throwing chairs and choking players. Dean Smith wouldn't do that. Dean Smith would look at him and say, you can do better than that. I expect more of you. You're Carolina, don't forget it. See, he had a way to bring out, you know, the better nature instead of the worst nature. We live in a world now that is losing sight of this wholesomeness that God has called us to and his loving kindness he wants us to be a part of, and that is what we're called to do. So we do that by being imitators of God. We live as the children of God and we live a life of love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, and we are to also live in this goodness, this righteousness, and this truth. Let us bow our heads to pray. Dear Lord, for you, just please forgive us. Let not anger take a hold of us, but let love find its way. Lord, give us the peace and hope we have that even though we fight in the struggle of life, let us know that kindness wins the day. And that kindness is grace, and that grace belongs to you. Lord, let us give all we can in all the ways we can and all the places we can to all the people we can as long as we ever can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.